Welcome back to another episode of The Sports Skinny. As always, I'm your host, Samara Rosenfeld. The NBA playoffs are set for Monday. We have a lot to talk about. We have a Celtics 76ers matchup. No better thing to discuss this with than with my co-host, Andrew Heller. Andrew, what's up? Not much. Very happy to be here once again. Thanks for having me. And I am both very excited and nervous to talk about this Sixers-Celtics matchup. All right. Well, before we dive in, let's, let's talk some baseball real quick. We have – so this it's Saturday that we're recording this, and news broke that the Reds are the latest to catch the coronavirus. I can't call it a bug. It's a deadly, <laughs> deadly, deadly disease. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, the Reds are the latest team. Uh, one player tested positive. So their game tonight on Saturday night is postponed against the Pirates. What, what are we thinking here? I mean, the only thing I really have to say is, and maybe this is just a me thing, but it seems to me that the only teams catching Corona are the crappy teams. And I just want to know, like, what's up with that? Because, okay, cool. So the Reds-Pirates game is canceled. Presumably the game tomorrow is going to be canceled. But, like, who cares? You know? How are the good teams staying healthy? And what are they doing that the Reds, Marlins, Cardinals are not doing? Hey, the Reds bailed me out in a parlay last night. So, I mean, <laughs> crappy teams to you are, are lifesavers for me some, some of the time. Okay, but, sure. Yeah. You know, you have a good point there. You know, what types of precautions are these bigger market teams taking? Are they doing anything differently? I know the Indians had two players get sent to, an, to the alternate site because they were being very irresponsible and going out and filming themselves and, and just, I guess, talking about how this is, isn't a big deal. You have these teams then that are, are getting it. I, I don't know how. It's hard to follow every single team, what everyone is doing, but right. it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good. And it just really seems like there's no rhyme or reason to like where it comes from, how teams get it. Like you said, you know, how can you even keep track of what precautions teams are taking? It's very hard, and it's just looking more and more scary that teams are going to be able to complete the 60 games, and we might have to deal with this um, winning percentage going into the playoffs thing, which really makes me nervous because, God, I hope the Marlins don't somehow squeak into the playoffs. I'll be devastated. <laughs> right, and, and when you look at the standings, you have the Cardinals. They're in second to last place, but they've only played five games. Right. Mm-hmm. It's crazy so to me. Yeah. So we'll talk about the Celtics and 76ers, but two of our other teams are playing against each other this weekend. We have the Mets-Phillies, and it was a heartbreaker for me last night. I was super excited about it, especially because of the Cano hit that tied the game. And I went downstairs to watch the rest of the game with my dad. And we all know what happened there. So you want to take us through that, that bottom of the ninth? Well, pretty much. Harper hits a walk-off single to win the game for the Phillies. And you had texted me earlier in the game way after he made a terrible play. Um, in the outfield, which he had done the night before against Baltimore. You know, is this what we paid $350 million for? And I, you know, for a second, I was like, well, she's got me here. You know, I I can't justify that. That was terrible. Then Roman Quinn made made a bad play. Our defense was terrible. But the point is that when it comes down to the clutch moments, Harper is always there for us. He's batting, I think, like 354 for home runs. Now he's got a walk-off. 
on his tally for this year. That's really why I'm so happy that he signed with the Phillies and he's still my favorite player. I think he's still 100% worth the money, even though you don't. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was devastating. It was a low blow. I actually had a prop bet for the – for neither team to score in the first inning. Of course, I turned my TV on two minutes after the game started, and it's already one nothing Mets. Uh, you know, we have Dom Smith, who's been tearing it up. He leads the team in RBIs with 14. He's hit a home run in three straight games. So he did so again last night. And then you had Robinson Cano follow it up with another home run. He's back off of the injured list. So things were looking pretty good for my squad. You know, it's tied 2-2. Then we get the back-to-backs. It's 4-2 after three, same score. And then your boy, Real Muto, comes up to bat, up to bat in the bottom of the fifth. And what happens? Dinger to left field, I think. A dinger to, to put the Phillies up. up Sign five. him. Give the man his money. I don't know why we haven't offered him a longer contract yet. So so you're up 5-4, and then, again, Cano comes up to bat in the ninth inning, and we get lucky. Jimenez, I think, was on base, or Nimmo. Someone fast was on base, and they were able to score, which was really good. But, yeah, you you had that clutch hit. I will say, still, I, I hold true to the Phillies outfield playing really poorly last night, though. Awful, yeah. I don't know – I guess Roman Quinn is pretty much our only option for center field besides Scott Kingery, who can play in the outfield. He's normally our second baseman, but he has no arm. So he could never throw anybody out at home. And we just got limited resources out in the outfield. Um, But now what I was surprised about was, and I think you tweeted about this, what was Wilson Ramos doing? What was Wilson Ramos doing? Roman Quinn came and slid in the home because when Quinn slides, he's a good, like, five – five or so feet back it seems like all Ramos has to do is just get that tag down real fast grab and just get in front of him he was standing in front of the plate yeah okay so So then he had to like awkwardly move his move his arm back to try to get the tag because he was going he was sliding to the back of the plate Mm -hmm. and Yeah. yeah I don't know his positioning really irked me it seemed like he could have been somewhere better to be able to apply the tag And, you know, the Mets did challenge it and lost. But here's my thing, too, is, yes, I was really annoyed with with Ramos, but Lugo just pitched terribly. And Lugo is one of our – is our most reliable guy out of of the bullpen. Oh, so your most reliable guy – is it Diaz? Oh, my God. I don't even want to talk. Well, you know what? I will say that after a couple of bloopers here and there – and that poor game against the Braves where he gave up the save and then they wound up losing it in extra innings, that Diaz has gotten on track and is pitching the way that we thought he was. He's pitching like the player that we thought he was going to be when we initially signed him. Okay. But come up. But Lugo, Lugo's now one and two on the season and he got the L last night and just, he, he was throwing like softballs. I felt like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, the hit, Harper's hit just, you know, that was a piece of cake, I think. Yeah, he smacked that one. Mm-hmm. We honestly just got really lucky. I mean, Phillies, not the Mets, unfortunately. I think for these next two games in the series, yeah, I would definitely take the over because our relievers are still terrible. Hector Neris gives up that run in the top of the ninth. 
you know, everybody's saying he's going to come in and just send him down one, two, three. Hector Neris never does that. So if there is any kind of a close contest late in the game with the Phillies, live bet whoever they're playing. Or sell your bet if you have the Phillies, because we're probably going to blow it. Last night was a fluke, so don't feel too bad about Harper. Well, you know, I feel slighted because I was supposed to see Jacob DeGrom pitching on Friday night. And who do I end up seeing? Walter Lockett. You know, we, we look forward to DeGrom Day, you know, every one in six games or so. And now to go from DeGrom, who's out with neck tightness, who knows how long that's going to keep him out. Neck tightness is going to turn into you know, needing surgery or something like David Wright had back tightness and then had spinal stenosis and we never saw him again. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, you know, this is what happens as a Mets fan is, is this is worst case scenario now. So yeah. I'm supposed to see Jacob deGrom pitch and I end up seeing Walter Lockett, who was, he, he was pretty decent last night. I was surprised at his outing, yeah, but, yeah, but that three run Homer killed us. Mm-hmm. Best wishes to DeGrom. He is a great pitcher, and even though I can't stand your Mets, you know, you, you hate to see a, a, bad, a bad beat happen to a good player. So definitely hope he stays healthy and can get back on the mound for you. Yeah, there must be something in the water with those Mets pitchers because we're, they're dropping like flies. Maybe it's how quick the season is this year, how the, mm-hmm. they're playing, you know, day in and day out, game after game. But – so we lose Stroman, who we haven't gotten to talk about. We lose Stroman last Sunday. He opted out. Mm-hmm. And this is something else. The way in which he did it, he took a different approach than Cespedes by actually telling Luis Rojas and talking to Brody Van Wagnen and talking to media about it. But here's the deal. He was out. He was on the injured list because he had a calf strain, mm-hmm. uh, something along those lines. And he had been working. I follow him on all social media. He's a really positive guy. He was working on his game all during quarantine and he was getting his head right. And he, he's really into mindfulness and, and it shows in the way that he holds, he carries himself and the way that he addresses media and stuff like that. And, you know, he just seems like one of those cool guys. He, he seems like a cool dude. But the way this happened, so he's on the IL. And he's, he's starting to throw again in simulated games, whatever it may be. And he's about to come off the IL, and instead he decides to opt out. Now, he says that this was a decision that he made for, you know, it was a difficult decision he made with his family. And, you know, you, you can't really say anything about that. It was due to coronavirus. It, it's hard to say, oh, well, this is messed up. I hate Stroman. You know, that's not the case. I respect anyone's decision. They have the decision to opt out at any time. But he waited two weeks into the season to do it. And now he has, it's called time, time served. It's like in jail almost. He served his time. He, he had to go a certain amount during the season in order to be a free agent next year. Oh, okay. So... He, got, he gets his money this season, and now he's able to be a free agent next year. Dang. Okay. And he waited the two weeks yeah. to do that because then he got his time. Oh, man, what a move. I mean, you could call it savvy. You could call it kind of like a punch in the gut. 
to your Mets. It was know. definitely a punch in the gut, especially because he was supposed to be our two guy. Steven Matz is not a reliable two guy, as we've seen this season. Uh-huh. And so now we lose Stroman. DeGrom is hurt. Michael Walker is hurt. That leaves Matz, who's been a disaster this season, just giving up home run after home run. And we have Porcello, who is iffy. He has his hot moments. He has his bad moments. Then Peterson, who's been the best out of all of them, who was called up at the beginning of the season when Stroman went out. And now it's, you know, we had Gazelman start the other day, who was initially in our bullpen. And, you know, we have guys like Walter Lockett coming up and pitching. And these aren't reliable guys that you would be excited to see starting for your team especially in these rivalry games these games against the Phillies these games against the Yankees that are coming up you don't want to see these poor pitchers and it's it's really an injustice yeah I think I heard somewhere and correct me if I'm wrong aren't the Mets their next like 15 or 20 games are mostly NL East opponents yeah yeah Mm, that's a shame and now you don't not gonna have the Grom maybe man that's yeah, it's tough, it's tough luck for your our bet there. The the win totals could be swinging. Hey, you know what? Being me is hard. I never said it was easy. <laughs> All right, so we have your Phillies beat my Mets, but I'm thinking things might turn out a little bit differently basketball wise. So so let let's talk Celtics 76ers. Let's talk some NBA. I'm hype about this. I don't think that this could have been scripted any better for my Celtics getting to play a banged-up 76ers team. Who are really just playing mediocre basketball right now. They're, they're playing mediocre basketball. So, you know, the bubble bubble season is over. I loved it. Yeah. I think the bubble was awesome. Having all-day basketball was great. All-day action. Loved it. So, here's how our playoff picture looks. You have the Bucks. Raptors, Celtics, Pacers, Heat, 76ers, Nets, and Orlando Magic. So this is amazing. The, the Celtics are playing the 76ers, and you get Pacers, Heat, and Jimmy Butler has had beef with people on the, on the Pacers. Mm-hmm. So we'll love to see some of that drama happen. And oh. also, as a Celtics fan, I didn't want to see the Celtics have to play against the Pacers or Miami in the first round because Jimmy Butler can go off on any given night. Kelly Olynyk can end up killing us. And with the Pacers, you have bubble TJ Warren, who's been on another level. You have Victor Oladipo. You have DeMontis Sabanis. So this is a perfect scenario. You have Ben Simmons, who's out for the 76ers. He had surgery on his knee. This is huge. So, so you know, tell me your thoughts, and then I have some numbers. Let, let's, let's dig into this. Okay. Well, my first thought, I, I agree with what you said. This is a perfect and ideal matchup for the Celtics, even though if we go back to the regular season, I believe that the Celtics were one and three against the Sixers. Clearly, that doesn't matter now because bubble teams, totally different. We don't have Simmons. And when I was looking at the lines today – I think the odds on Foxbed right now are for minus 400 for the Celtics to win the series, plus 300 for the Sixers to win the series, which seems like right on the money. Sixers are definitely huge underdogs here. If we look at their numbers in the bubble, they went four for four, wins, losses, averaged 120 points a game. Now their shooting was better, better than I thought it was, and better than I said it was in the last podcast. 
They're shooting 48.7 from the field, 41.6 from three-point land. It's pretty good, but for me, not enough rebounds, only averaging 45.3 rebounds per game, only 11 offensive rebounds per game. With all the big guys we have, that's just not, not good enough when you're playing a good team like the Celtics. And then, really, our best player is Alec Burks coming off the bench, which is a good thing, but it's also kind of sad that he's our best guy. His plus-minus average is 7.1, best on the team, averaging 14.6 points per game. And from three-point land, he's 57.1, which wow. is huge. Yeah, that's huge, because we don't have shooters. Like, I, I, I've accepted that. Furkan Korkmaz is just, eh. My problem is there are so many people who need to do better. Um, Shake Milton, our point guard coming in for Ben Simmons, he's only averaging 9.3 per game. Um, his plus-minus average is minus 2.5, so he's acting as a detriment. Josh Richardson, plus-minus only 0.9. And Embiid and Horford are just turnover machines. Embiid's averaging 3.4 turnovers a game, Horford uh, 2.1. You can't – that's not going to win you. In a seven-game series, you might win one or two games, but if you keep putting up those kinds of numbers, you're never going to get past a team like the Celtics. And I'm extremely doubtful. I could see, like I said, maybe getting one, maybe two wins. But it's a huge task against yourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's interesting that you mentioned their lack of rebounding. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the four games the Celtics played against the 76ers during the regular season, the 76ers out-rebounded the Celtics huge. Oh, really? You know, the an opening night they out rebounded the Celtics sixty two to forty one. Oh, they nice. they out rebounded them in December by at least ten. Mm -hmm. Again by ten in the game in January. So and then you mentioned Josh Richardson, who put up twenty nine in this in the seventy sixers win in January over the Celtics one oh nine ninety eight. That was without Embiid playing. Uh -huh. And Josh Richardson stepped up in a big way. Mm -hmm. And the Celtics were able to get off to a hot start there. They were up 35-26, but the 76ers held them to 18 points in the fourth, which is, which is big. You know, the only game that the Celtics did win was the game that I was fortunate enough to be at, at the TD Garden, where they won 116-95. to no Kemba Walker, and Jalen Brown stepped up. He had 32 points. But Simmons had 23 points and nine rebounds. The big thing in that game was that we held Philly to 36.9% uh, from the field. But Ben Simmons being out is enormous. He averaged 18 points per game in the four games that they played this season. And Bede, who's knocked up, who had his ankle injury, which kept him out the other day, He's averaging 21 points per game in three games against the Celtics this season. Now, if you look at the Celtics, the big thing is Jason Tatum, who's averaging 19 points per game in the four games. Kemba Walker is averaging 22 points per game in the three games that he played. Jalen Brown has been up and down against them, but again, he had the 32 in the big win uh, at TD Garden. But th I think that one of the things that we're not thinking about is that there's really no home court advantage here. Mm -hmm. And playing at TD Garden 
is is one of the toughest places to play in the NBA. And Embiid has said it time and time again. Al Horford has said it. And he's, he's happy that he doesn't have to go to TD Garden because Celtics fans are insane. They're loud. They, they get behind the team in a big way. And, and that can have an effect for sure on, on the play yes. and on the players. The 76ers, it's also bad for them because they don't have their home court advantage and they're notoriously good at home and bad when they're away. So they have a 31 and 4 record at home this season the 76ers, 12 and 26 away. And again, they don't have the fans to rally behind them. And they're playing on this neutral site where I, I believe you'll you'll be able to have some family members at the games, but other than that, what do you expect? Right. You know, it's it's not going to be the same. I think that this really helps out the 76ers. I think it definitely does too. Um, definitely, I was going to bring up how terrible our road record was and how this is kind of like a little bit of a break for us. But in, I was just kind of thinking you brought up Embiid and how loud Wells Fargo can get. I think that some of Embiid's best games happen when he is at home and he has the crowd behind him and he can get into people's heads and do all of the you know the arm waving and signs and everything. And you're not going to have any of that. So, and Embiid's the type of player that if he gets frustrated quickly, you can very easily take him out of the game. So if he's not playing well in the first or second quarter, you know, he may play even worse coming out of halftime. And then my problem is I just don't know who steps up on this team if Embiid isn't going off every game. Richardson's only averaging 13.1 points per game. Maybe he'll, maybe he's better against the Celtics, but other than our guy, Alec Burks right now, nobody is really stepping up for the Sixers. Tobias Harris is averaging around 20 points in the bubble, which is good. But at the end of the day, I think that I actually think that not having any kind of home game is a detriment for the Sixers and is actually going to hurt us more because even though it would be tough to go play in TD Garden, no doubt, um, it's even going to be tougher for guys like Embiid and Mike Scott to really perform well when they don't have the crowd, any kind of crowd, a crowd that's booing them or cheering with them they don't have anything behind them I think a little bit of intensity definitely is taken out of the equation yeah the intensity is going to be gone regardless which stinks because you look forward to that especially with the history that the Celtics and 76ers have in the playoffs Uh, um, cough cough confetti game scary Terry goes off love to see it but but yeah the intensity is definitely going to be lacking and that's where that mental toughness really comes in. And that's where I think the Celtics are definitely in a better position than the 76ers. Embiid can, can be his own worst enemy when it comes to that. And just knowing that I have Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker and even Jason Tatum, who had an absolute dud against the Milwaukee Bucks to open up bubble play. He had five points he gets a little haircut. He says that game's in the past. Then he averaged he averaged 22 points per game in seven bubble games. That's including the five-point game in Milwaukee. Wow. So, you know, you have that outlier. It probably would have been even higher. You know, Jalen Brown has stepped up 19 points per game in seven bubble games. And then Kemba Walker, who has been on minutes restrictions during bubble play, 
is averaging 14 points per game in six games. And he's one of those players where he's a veteran. He's reliable to take a clutch shot, but also has accepted his role with the Celtics in that he knows that Tatum is also able to take that shot. And it's been really cool watching them play together because there's no selfishness on this team, I feel. When you have three star players averaging over 20 points per game in the regular season as a whole, in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker, there are always options, but no one's just looking out for themselves. They really just want to win. That was kind of different in the Kyrie Irving short era the short stint that he had with Boston because he was taking it you knew that it was going to be in his hands and it helped us for sure but it was also detrimental and it didn't let guys like Jalen Brown build up the confidence that they need with Kemba Walker Jalen Brown is getting his and you could see it in the way that he's playing so for me these three guys and then you have mustache Gordon Gordon Hayward My big thing with him is once the 76ers lose to the Celtics and the Celtics go on to the second round, you know, his wife is expecting a baby. And that's something that we could talk about on another episode, but he, he will be leaving the bubble at some point. And he's also been playing out of his mind in the bubble, but just looking at the Celtics 76ers, I mean, this looks like it it could be a, a four game series. I won't say that it will, I won't mm-hmm. say that the Celtics won't drop one, but it, I say this is no more than five games. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'll optimistically just say that it goes to six. I just give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe Sixers get two wins. But, yeah, I completely agree with you. The Celtics are just one of the best teams coming out. Well, playing one of the best bubble teams right now. And – I don't think their momentum slows down at all, especially not against the Sixers team. And you know what? That reminds me. I have a futures bet on the Celtics winning the championship. I put it in earlier this year. Uh, I think back in in December or November, something like that. And it reminds me that we had a professor for in our sport, our sports journalism professor. And I had we had him for a bunch of other journalism classes. His name is Chuck. He had me put in a futures bet on the 76ers to win the championship when I was out in Vegas at a conference for work. And so I'll have to do some, some smack talking to Chuck back and forth a little bit, but I think that my Celtics will have the 76ers hand in this first round. No doubt about it. That brings up a very good question that I have for you. Is there any way we could get Chuck on the pod? We could definitely try to get Chuck on the pod. That would be the coolest guest ever. Yes, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll send him a, a text message. I'll send him the show. He could probably we can talk get better him on. Than me. He, he could take me as co-host, I think. <laughs> <laughs> He'll take my job. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I'll see what I can do in that department. But, you know, before we wrap up, how's your gambling been going this week? Any, any highs, any lows? I mean, it's, it's been a lot of lows. It really has been. I've not had a good week, and I was almost having a terrible Friday. But I made what may have been an all-time life-saving, life-savings bet in taking the A's and the Dodgers, parlay, late night, Cali love. It, it's basically like betting Hawaii. They're like, the Dodgers and the A's are usually the last two games out. They're usually always favorites. Just parlay them together. You'll get around plus 150, maybe even plus 200. You put enough on it, it could save your night. 
But last night, all was not well in Whoville because the Giants were beating the A's 6 nothing, 6 nothing. Samara. I don't even know what inning it was. It was like the whole game. They were beating up 6 nothing. Okay, so now we go to the ninth inning. And it was, let me just get make sure I got all my numbers right here. It was 7-2 to two going into the ninth inning when Olsen hits a solo home run with one out. Okay, okay, maybe we're in business here. Now it's 7-3, only down by four runs. A's have hit a grand slam before. What are the odds that could happen again? But don't they end up loading the bases? And the same guy who hit the grand slam a couple weeks ago to walk off against the Angels, I believe, Stephen Piscotti, comes up and just rips one in the left, just barely gets over the fence. Tie ball game, 7-7. They go on to win it in the 10th inning. I, I have never, like, that was a grace of God saving grand slam for me. And just to give you some, a little historical background on how crazy that was, that was the first time the A's scored five runs to come back in the ninth since 1952. Wow. And it was also the first time that the Giants had given up a five-run lead in the ninth since 1929. History was on your side, baby. History was on my side, and boy, I just, I love, I love the athletics. As far as favorite teams to bet on goes, I think they may be overtaking the Yankees. I hate to say it. That's big. That's a big thing for you to say too, you Yankee Doodle boy. I, I mean, I, I normally say take the Yankees every day. Switching gears, take the A's every day. Team's got a lot of fight. They're just a great all-around team. Great pitching, great bats with Olson, Piscotty. Was very, very fortunate. Was almost down about 250 last night. Thanks to the A's, ended up only being down 29. So that was a huge ninth inning bailout bet. And we'll just ignore the rest of the week and the terrible golf bets I made this morning because none of those are going to hit, I'm sure. But focus on that one winner and move on to, uh, to the next slate of games. How about you? How how things been going for you? I had a pretty good week. It was all because of, I think it was on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever the, uh, the when was the 11th? Was that yep. Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Tuesday I won. I hit every one of my bets. Yeah. I went, I went five and zero. Oh. Well, that's not true. I went five and one. I threw a Celtics Magic Suns parlay. Mm-hmm. But I hit on Luau Cabarro to score over fifteen and a half. That was the game that that no one on the on the Nets played. So it was like mm-hmm. so obvious. He hit that in the first quarter. He had yeah. like he had 17 points in the first quarter. Um, it just was a no-brainer bet for me. He was and a process sixer. I miss him so much. And then I had Jason Tatum and John Morant to record over 43 and a half combined points. Easy money. That that I put my um my free $74 DraftKings bet on. Oh, right. From the Nuggets, the Nuggets Lakers. They From gave the, the Nuggets Lakers over 221. Then I got, I went a little crazy. This was big for me. I was so all in on the Suns in the bubble because Devin Booker has just been going off like crazy. So I started really, really pushing my luck and, and pushing the, the Suns a little bit. I, pu- I placed the biggest bet I've ever placed on Devin Booker, by far the biggest bet I've ever placed. 
on one bet, I put $245. Yes, you heard me. $245 on Devin Booker to make over one and a half three-pointers. And when I tell you that I have never felt a rush like that during a game, it was insane. And here's the thing is that he only had two the whole game. He, he literally just hit it. I'm sweating the entire game. He has zero three-pointers in the first half, and I'm texting you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this isn't hitting. This isn't hitting. He's not shooting three-pointers. He had a big game, and I also had him combining for over, I believe it was 37 and a half points, rebounds, and assists, which hit but he wasn't taking three-pointers. Ricky Rubio was getting three-pointers. I believe Frank Kaminsky was coming off the bench and hitting three-pointers. And Devin Booker was just not getting his, his shots up from behind the arc. But finally, second half opens up. He hits one. I'm like, all right, halfway there. We just need one more. He wound up hitting it, I believe, in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. too. So I was really sweating it out. But I, I screamed. That two hundred forty-five dollars is is it's no it's no chump bet. This is right. it's not throwing five dollars on you know the Mets money line. It's right. two hundred two hundred forty-five. Huge bet. You know Devin Booker bailed me out. He hit the over thirty-seven and a half as well. So so it was a, a good day. Other than that, I had some hockey woes, which no big deal. Trying to dabble a little bit here and there in the in the playoffs. And I hit a baseball parlay last night, which bailed me out from my missed Mets bet. But yeah, really, Devin, I I rode the book train. And I know that they're doing an all-bubble NBA team, and they're going to name a bubble MVP. I'm not sure who I would pick between Dame and and Devin Booker for MVP. I mean, TJ Warren could be thrown in there too, but really it was all about Damian Lillard and Devin Booker. Yeah, and I think the fact that Lillard, you know, got into the playoffs and it's pretty much largely his efforts. Are well, not yet. Hard. They're playing okay. against the Grizzlies. The playing game, yeah. My, my mistake. But still, the fact that he got them there, I think that might do more than the fact that the Suns did go 8-0, and but how many teams did they play who were actually competing? Yeah, that's a very good point. At the end there, they were, there were guys being rested. And, you know, you had Luka playing at the beginning of the Suns-Mavs Mavs game, but he, then they took him out pretty early. It's, it's a tough one. You're probably right that Lillard will win it. But I think, I think that this whole bubble experience for the Suns was huge. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's going to be exciting if they're able to keep this momentum going in the regular season next year. You know, they have a lot of young talent in DeAndre Ayton, in Devin Booker. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully hopefully they won't be seen as, as one of those scrubby teams. Like, why were they in the bubble? Right. I, yeah, did you – I don't know. Did we talk about when Draymond Green said about how Booker basically needs to go somewhere else? I hope he stays. To me – if you got a good thing going, hopefully this 8-0 start, uh, well, restart, proved that they can compete and they can, you know, play with the best of them. And maybe Booker becomes like a Damian Lillard 
you know, he's been on Portland for so right, long. Right, right. Uh, a franchise man. A franchise man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they beat a, a full strength, mostly Clippers team. Devin yeah. Booker hit a game-winning shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right there, you know, I stay with your homies, Booker. You know, they, they need you out there. The Suns do. And I, I would like to see big things happen with that team in the future. Or at least, you know, just seeing them in the playoffs more would be cool with the young talent that they have there. And yeah, to go back to that that Booker bet that you made, that was legendary. I've never been so happy watching, you know, something bad happen to the Sixers <laughs> when he was just going off and when he made that three. That was so cool. Great job, awesome play. Yeah, it was it was definitely something that I'll remember for a while. Um, I'm sad that I don't get to make any more Booker bets this mm-hmm. season, but we'll have enough playoff action. Uh, you know, we have two, we have the hockey playoffs and we have uh, basketball playoffs all, all going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's a great time to be alive. It is. A lot it's- of sports happening. We still have baseball. I don't know how, but we do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and things are just getting started. I'm really excited. But that is all, all we have for today, right, Andrew? That's all I have, unless you have anything else. I just want to remind everyone that this podcast is brought to you by guy boston sports make sure you're following them over there on twitter and guy nyc sports we are looking for writers on the new york side of things if anyone is interested feel free to shoot me a tweet or a dm at samara rose 31 or you can hit up andrew at city john right Yep. <laughs> I never know. City Well, it's because it's because your name on Twitter is City John Sports. Well it, it's John City Sports, but then the handle is City John. Yes. Yeah, so it's so confu- it's so confusing for me. I don't know why I did it like that. <laughs> because you wanted to make me confused. Uh, but yeah, make sure you're following us. Let us know what you want to hear on upcoming episodes of the podcast. If you have anyone if you want to come on the podcast even, let us know. We're always happy to have have some guests, chop it up a little bit, and uh, we'll be back next week.